All right, First Kings. First Kings tonight, back to First Kings. Uh, as you know, we're, we're making our way, we're studying our way through First uh, Kings. We come to uh, chapter 9 tonight, where we're continuing in this section that deals with uh, Solomon. Recall uh, back in chapter 7, uh, we saw the temple being constructed, Solomon's palace and the temple uh, being constructed. In chapter 8, we spent two weeks on that, looking at um, the dedication of the temple, Solomon's lengthy prayer uh, and dedication. Now here tonight, that seems to be completed. There's a little bit of confusion uh, chronologically, but I, I think tonight we, we could conclude that uh, his dedication of the temple is completed, and now the Lord responds to him. The Lord uh, appears to Solomon. That's happened once before, hasn't it? Uh, he, he, he's, he's had a meeting with the Lord once before, you recall, and uh, Brother Gary, what did he ask the Lord for in that first meeting? He asked him for something, didn't he? He asked him for wisdom, and praise God, we We've looked at the importance of wisdom this past Sunday morning in James chapter 1, new study in the book of James. Uh, and then, of course, we look at the Psalms, uh, forgive me, Proverbs 26, right, on, on Sunday night. And um, we know that Solomon asked for wisdom and was blessed by God with wisdom. Uh, in understanding that, Brother Art, it's not, it's not hard to see that God could use that man who asked for wisdom and who was blessed with wisdom uh, to pen down the Psalms, which are just filled. They are God's wisdom proverbs, sorry, proverbs, God's wisdom for us. And so uh, it's that God who meets with, who appears to uh, Solomon once again tonight here uh, in chapter 9. So we're in First Kings chapter 9. Uh, let's just jump in uh, right here at verse 1. The Lord appears to Solomon. Bible says, uh, it came to pass, and it came to pass, when Solomon had finished the building of the house of the Lord, the temple, uh, and the king's house, his palace, uh, and all Solomon's desire, which he was pleased to do, uh, that the Lord appeared to Solomon uh, the second time as he had appeared unto him uh, at Gibeon. That was back in 1 Kings 3. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 3, where we saw the Lord uh, come to him that, that first time. And so uh, here's a man who's had this incredible privilege of this uh, very unique, very special meeting with the Lord once. Uh, and now, Bobby, he has this incredible privilege. Um, again, the Lord appears to him. Again, we understand uh, this is something that the Lord did from time to time. It wasn't, brother, this wasn't a normal thing, right? It wasn't like every every believer in the Old Testament experienced this. This would be a, a pretty special, a pretty unique privilege uh, to have had this opportunity. Now Solomon, uh, serving the Lord, he, ha he has this privilege um, again. Look, look at verse three. And the Lord said unto him, the Lord said to Solomon, I have heard thy prayer, uh, and thy supplication. So he's been praying. You remember, he, he prayed that long prayer, uh, many, many different aspects of that prayer. He anticipated certain needs of the people in the future. He prayed about that. He, he anticipated people needing to repent uh, at some point in the future. Of course, God laid that on his, on his heart, caused him to pray that, led him to pray that. He's prayed that uh, with right heart, we believe. And, and sure enough, the Lord says, hey, I, I have heard uh, thy prayer and thou supplication that thou hast made uh, before me. 
Uh, Zach, that's the same God who we have the privilege to pray to, right? He's not changing. He doesn't change. Uh, that's the same God who hears our prayers uh, when we pray. Church, is that a privilege? That's a, just a, a tremendous privilege. The same God who heard Solomon as he prayed to dedicate the temple, uh, who, who heard it was the same God we pray to, the same God who we pray to as we've opened tonight, the same God who's present in a special way, uh, whereas people have assembled in, in his local church tonight, same God who hears uh, our prayers. The Lord says this. It should be a, a blessing, of course, to, to have this special encounter with the Lord, but It'd be a blessing and encouragement on top of that to have the Lord say, hey, I, uh, I heard your prayer. He says, I have hallowed, uh, I have hallowed this house. Uh, he's sanctified it. He's set it apart as holy. The Lord has uh, sanctified uh, this, the, the temple, uh, the place where the sacrifices will be performed, that picture of Christ, the place where his special presence will come and abide and, and reside, uh, the place where the Lord will be worshipped. He's hallowed it. He's uh, sanctified it. He's, he's made it holy uh, for his purposes, uh, for his use. Of course, uh, we pray the same for, for our own church building, right? Uh, Brother Gary, we understand the church is the assembly, but uh, we, we pray that our own building, the place where the church meets, would be uh, a place that is holy and, and set apart and, and sanctified for God's purposes, uh, God's use. This is the place where we have the privilege uh, to meet with him in, in his special presence as we set, assemble together. The Lord says, I, I have hallowed this house which thou hast built uh, to put my name there forever, and mine eyes and mine heart shall be there perpetually. Now, I want to stop for a second and just um, consider this word perpetually, uh, perpetually. Uh, what's your understanding of, of this word, uh, perpetually? Uh, for, forever would be kind of how, how we understand it, right? Um, now, you have to stop and think about this for a second. Um, is Solomon's temple still standing today? It's, it's not. Was there a temple built after that? Is it still standing today? No. Uh, and, and so the Lord says, hey, I'll, I will put my name there forever, and mine eyes and mine heart shall be there uh, perpetually. How, how can you reconcile this statement with the fact that, hey, that, that temple that has just been uh, prayed over and, and sanctified by the Lord in response to that prayer, how can we reconcile the history uh, with this language. Uh, guys, do you, you have any thoughts on this? Um, another one is coming. We, we know that for sure, right? Maybe two. Uh, so, so we know there was Solomon's temple. There was a temple after that. Uh, we, we know that there will be a temple during the tribulation, right? Uh, and we know that there will be a millennial temple as well where uh, Christ will be present, sacrifices will be performed throughout the millennium. Uh, evidently as a memorial that looks back to uh, the cross, the same way the Temple of Solomon's Day where the sacrifices were performed that looked ahead uh, to the cross. We understand that. A couple thoughts here. Um, the word perpetually uh, is the word, Hebrew word yom, yom. Zach, I think you, you know, that word means day, right? It, it mean, literally means day. So um, it, it could be understood as each day. So one way to understand this would be perhaps 
Perhaps he means um, each day that the temple is here, uh, the Lord, Lord will put his name there and his eyes and his heart will be there each day that the temple is there, each day that the Lord chooses to reside there, uh, to abide there amongst the people. This will be the case. Uh, as long as they stay right with him and as long as he chooses to abide uh, in this place in their presence, uh, his eyes, his heart will be there every single day uh, that that is the case. That, that's probably the idea here. So this is, uh, we take time, Bob, with issues like this because people point to the Bible sometimes and say, well, hey, that, that's another one of those gotchas. Uh, the Lord said perpetually, but temple, that temple's not still there and it wasn't, there was no temple there for his time. So there, there must be a problem with scripture. Is there any problem with your Bible? No, there's not. There's always a way to dig and compare and, and to look at the words and the underlying words and say, okay, okay, we, there, there's a way here that we can understand this uh, such that there's no problem at all. The Lord would abide there as long as he chose. Uh, and, and each day, each day, his eyes, his heart would be there uh, as, as long as he chose that to be the case. Uh, this is probably the idea. Now, the Lord goes on. He, he's got some business to do with, with Solomon here tonight. I think you remember this. Uh, remind me quickly, who is Solomon's dad? David, right? And, and the Lord had made a, an agreement. The Lord had formed a covenant. Uh, the Lord had entered into a covenant uh, with David, right? And uh, let's, let's just go back there real fast. Go back to 2 Samuel 7. Don't lose your place here, but go back, to, if you would please, to 2 Samuel 7, and, and let's just see that uh, quickly. 2 Samuel 7. want to quickly see just this kind of uh, general idea of what the Lord's covenant with David was about, because uh, here in our passage tonight, the Lord is going to revisit that, uh, basically uh, reaffirm his covenant with Solomon. There will be some conditions that basically come down to obedience, but uh, he, he intends to reinfer, re, re, reaffirm, there we go, his covenant uh, with David. So 2 Samuel 7 in verse 12, here's the Lord dealing with David, Solomon's father. The Lord says, when thy days be fulfilled, well, when you die, uh, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, the Lord says, I will set up thy seed after thee, your son who comes after you. Uh, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. He said that. You, you'll have a son, and I will, I will set him up as, as king of his kingdom. Uh, verse 13, he shall build a house for my name. Sure enough, he did that. Uh, and I will establish the throne of, of his kingdom forever. So um, the, the, the covenant that uh, the Lord is going to be referring to um, is, is this. It's, it's this um, agreement the Lord formed this promise that, that God made uh, to David. There was an implication of, of obedience in that, which kind of comes out and becomes a, a little bit more front and center in our passage here tonight as the Lord is dealing with, with Solomon. Uh, so come back to our passage. Come, come back to 1 Kings 9, and we'll, we'll pick this up now in, in verse 4. The Bible says, uh, the Lord says to Solomon, he says, and if thou wilt walk before me uh, as David thy father walked in integrity of heart and in uprightness to do according to all that I have commanded thee, 
uh, and will keep my statutes and my judgments, then, verse 5, I will establish the throne of thy kingdom upon Israel. For how long, church? Forever, as I promised to David thy father, saying, there shall not fail thee a man upon the throne uh, of Israel. So the Lord is referring back pretty plainly to the covenant that he made, the promise, the, the agreement that he made with David, uh, reaffirming that with Solomon, but bringing out the, uh, the, the aspect that um, with regard to Solomon, this, uh, this uh, reaffirmation of, of the covenant as it relates to Solomon is conditioned upon Solomon's what? Uh, what would be kind of a general idea? Uh, the Lord will, will keep this promise to Solomon, but it's conditioned upon what? His faithfulness, his obedience. There's, there's kind of three aspects to it, I think, if you, if you look at verse 4. Uh, he says, if thou uh, will walk before me, if you'll uh, live uh, a life as, as David your father lived, and the Lord gives uh, uh, several uh, aspects of the life he's looking for, uh, Solomon to live. He, he defines it. He says, if you'll um, walk in integrity of heart, uh, the underlying language sort of alludes to uh, with a, a dedication of heart, and we don't need to look at the Hebrew to understand that. It's pretty clear, with, with integrity of heart. If, if you'll live a life, Solomon, uh, of, of dedication to me, if you'll, you know, if you'll put your heart into living for me, um, okay, so that, that'd be the first thing, uh, a heart that is given over to the Lord. Uh, and if you walk in uprightness, uh, what's that mean? Zach, what's that mean? Uprightness. Righteously. Yeah, righteously. We understand that. Uh, if you live righteously, if, if you'll live uprightly or, or righteously uh, to do according to all that I have commanded thee, uh, and will keep my statutes and my judgments. If you live obediently, you give your heart to me, uh, and you live uprightly, and you live obediently, then, look at verse 4, the beginning of verse 4, if, down to verse 5, then, if you'll do that, Solomon, then I will establish the throne of thy kingdom upon Israel forever, as I promised to David thy father, saying, there shall not fail thee, a man upon the throne of Israel. Uh, but, look at verse 6, there's, there's another kind of loop or, or, or level uh, built in here. So, if you'll do your part, I will do my part. And then the Lord says to Solomon, but, basically he says, but if you don't do that, then I'm going to do something else. See verse 6, he says, but if ye shall at all turn from following me, ye or your children. Uh, is Solomon going to turn from following the Lord? He is. His following of the Lord has not been perfect up to this point, right? There's been the issue of, of a wife who's been taken out of Egypt. That's, that looks to be a concern or a potential concern at least. There were some issues early on with, with the choices about worship so we, we know there's been some wobbles in his walk with the Lord already, a little bit of unsteadiness that kind of gains pace uh, as, as his reign continues. Uh, and so the Lord knows that, of course. So the Lord's warning him here. Uh, he, he knows where this is heading. 
Uh, he says, but if ye shall at all turn from following me, ye or your children, of course, the, the two sons uh, cause a lot of trouble, uh, and will not keep my commandments and my statutes, which I have set before you, uh, but go and serve other gods and worship them. So, uh, you know, if you, if you take up this kind of disobedience, then there's going to be consequences for that. He says in verse 7, then. So verse 6 is, but if. Verse 7, then will I cut off Israel out of the land. There's going to be consequences for your disobedience, Solomon, uh, which I have given them. And this house, this, this temple, this place of worship, which I have hallowed for my name, will I cast out of my sight, and Israel shall be a proverb and a byword uh, among all people. Now, we could spend a lot of time giving definition to all of that, but it, it's very clear that the Lord is describing pretty serious consequences for disobedience. None of that sounds like blessings, right? And, uh, we understand that. And the Lord continues in, in verse 8, and so it's just continuing to, he's, he's layering on uh, additional warnings here. Brother Ray, the Lord is graciously warning Solomon and defining, giving real definition to the idea of consequences for disobedience. He says, and uh, at this house, at this temple, uh, which is high, uh, everyone that passeth by it shall be astonished uh, and shall hiss, uh, really probably uh, gasping in disbelief is probably the idea there, uh, and they shall say, why hath the Lord done thus unto this land uh, and to this house? Uh, people of neighboring lands, when, when they see the consequences of, of what has been uh, accomplished here. They're going to understand that God uh, punished, God uh, he, he chastened, God, God poured out consequences for the sin uh, of this people. And they, they'll be astonished. They'll understand that uh, and they will be astonished by it. He says uh, in verse 8, and, and at this house, what's that next phrase there? Beginning of verse 8, and at this house which which is high, that's interesting language, isn't it? Uh, that it's interesting and could be, the idea might be um, sort of poetically alluding to a place of importance, but um, we know that architecturally, uh, the temple actually was very tall. Uh, in, you don't have to turn there, but maybe make a note. Second Chronicles 3 in uh, verse four, Second Chronicles 3, 4 notes that it was 120 cubits uh, high, and I know if I ask these young men back here how many feet is that, they'd quickly calculate that for me. Uh, this, this would be a, around 180 feet high, so it was it was very uh, it was it was very tall. Uh, this very building was important. There's no doubt about that, but it was also very tall. And so, if, if you had been aware of the sort of the new temple and all of its glory uh, before it is. Um, affected by the Lord's uh, chastening for the, dis the, the disobedience of the people, um, you, you would be very astonished that this grand building, this gr very grand or ornate home of the Lord uh, has been so significantly affected, uh, so significantly um, 
affected by the Lord as, as chastening uh, to his people. So this, this would seem to be the idea. Language could just be poetic, but uh, it was a tall building. It, it was a high building. Uh, and, and to see that a, a building of that grandeur and, and that scale affected by the Lord uh, as part of his chastening for disobedience of people, that would be, that would be astonishing. Uh, it would be pretty clear uh, that, that something supernatural had likely happened and that uh, it was not an insignificant thing. Gary, we have a tendency sometimes to think that our sin is, certain sins at least, uh, can be insignificant, not that big of a deal in, in God's eyes. You ever, you ever tempted to feel that way? Uh, I know sin is sin, and, and, and I, I would agree we could make a case that some sin is, is worse than others, uh, like there seems to be degrees of reward in heaven. The, I think you could make a biblical case that there might be degrees of punishment in hell, and so that, that does, there's a variety of ways we, we might make a case that God views some sin as worse than other sins, uh, but sin is sin, and, it, and it's all abominable in God's eyes, right? I asked you this question recently, how holy is God? He's perfectly holy, right? Uh, he's perfectly holy, and so any, anything that seems like a little sin in our eyes uh, is going to be offensive to the Lord. Of course, that, that's why we need a Savior. Um, Lord, thank you. Thank you tonight for being our Savior. Um, look at verse 9, and they shall answer because they forsook the Lord their God. People understand this. Uh, people who, who aren't even believers will, will look upon uh, this, this chastening. You know, God is saying, if you give yourself over to sin, if you choose to uh, go down a road of disobedience to me, there will be a variety of consequences. It will be visible. It will affect this temple. People will see it, and people will know. They will understand that what they see is of the Lord. It's the chastening of the Lord. Verse 9 again, they shall answer because they forsook the Lord their God. People will understand this is a consequence of disobedience. Uh, the Lord their God who brought, them, who brought forth their fathers out of the land of Egypt and have taken hold upon other gods uh, and have worshipped them. Obviously, that, that's big sin. Uh, and have served them, therefore hath the Lord brought upon them all this evil. Now, we know down the road that's exactly what happened, right? People fell into all kinds of sin and, and all kinds of idolatry and all kinds of uh, worship uh, down the road, uh, and that temple did not stand forever. It's, it's not there today. The next temple is not there. Uh, there's no temple in that place right now. God said that would happen, and in fact, that did happen. Uh, God brought it to pass. Is, is this one of those places in Scripture where the Lord gives prophecy, and then we, we could look back and say, sure enough, that's prophecy that was fulfilled? Is, that one, is this one of those places? And, and so that, that should grow our confidence, right? When, when God says something, God says he's going to do something, uh, he doesn't. Now, this is one of those if-then things, um, you know, if the people had stayed faithful, God would have held up the then that goes with that if. But because they didn't, Solomon didn't, uh, his sons were, were troublemakers too, and, and there was great sin in the land following them. God kept his promise uh, to chasten them. Um, I ask you tonight, 
Um, has God kept all of his promises to you? Has God kept all of his promises to you? He has. Has he kept his promise to chasten you at times? And are you glad? Amen. I am, and, and I'll bet you are too. Uh, when we, we get to that place where we understand God's promise that, because he loves us, he, of course, we've, we've looked at this topic and started to look at this in, in James 1, but we, we understand that, that God is working in trials and, and, and chastening us at, to correct us at times, and we can look back and, and see, uh, sure enough, in the, in the past, God's chastening hand was upon me, and, and, and sure enough, he he did cause me to repent and put off sin, to put on obedience in its place, and, uh, and I've grown through that, and, and boy, I'm thankful. Uh, I'm thankful. We, we can be very thankful tonight for the Lord's uh, chastening hand. Uh, we understand tonight that he blesses our obedience, so we can be thankful for that. We understand that he will often chasten us for our disobedience, and we can be very thankful, equally thankful for that. Um, when you understand these things, do you think tonight that, um, <laughs> as maybe you've never really thought about this before, but, but stop and think about it, um, it's, it's good to be blessed of the Lord, right? Amen? That's good. Uh, brother, I, I think it's even better to be corrected of the Lord. <laughs> I think it's, it's even better because uh, I know that if I'm being corrected and I respond to that correction correctly, I'm, I'm going to be growing. Right. I, I'm going to be. I know that when things are going great, I, I tend not to be growing as much. But when I fall into or charge into some sinful choice and God begins dealing with me, uh, if I'll respond correctly, I'll grow. Yeah. I'll grow, and I, I think I appreciate that even more. I think I appreciate that even more. Think about that. You think about that. Um, the next several verses uh, are interesting, and uh, they deal with Solomon's interaction with uh, King Hiram, uh, Hiram or Hiram uh, of, of Tyre. Do you remember? Do you remember him? Remember him? He had had some dealings with David, uh, had supplied lumber and other materials uh, to David for his building projects, and. He supplied lumber and um, gold and other materials for Solomon and, and his building projects. Uh, he's the king of Tyre, so it'd be kind of up there to the northwest, right, on, on the, the eastern uh, coast of the Mediterranean, northwest of Jerusalem. What's that other city that, Brother Ray, what, what's that other city that tends to get lumped together with Tyre? Sidon or Zidon, right? Um, believing people, believing king or pagan people with a pagan king. Hiram. Is, is pagan people, pag, pagan king. These are, these are not Jewish people. They're, they're not believers. Uh, they're, they're, they're pagan people. Uh, but evidently, the Lord has uh, provided for both David and Solomon through uh, these unbelievers. I was just talking to somebody about this, uh, this idea. God does that a variety of places in Scripture, doesn't he? He'll sometimes use unbelievers to provide for his people. Uh, isn't it neat how God can provide for you just any way he chooses to? He can he, provide for us any way he chooses to, and he does. Mike, God, God just provides for us all different kinds of ways, right? We praise him for that. Um, so, verse 10, 
came to pass at the end of 20 years when Solomon had built the two houses, the house of the Lord and, and the king's house, uh, his own palace. Remember, he, he built both, house for him, house for the Lord. Um, now, uh, verse 11, Hiram, the king of Tyre, had furnished Solomon with cedar trees and fir trees and with gold, according to all of his desires, as much as he wanted, as much as he needed, uh, that then King Solomon gave Hiram 20 cities in the land of Galilee. Um, just stop and consider that for a moment. Here, here's this pagan king, uh, pagan unbelieving people. Yes, he's, he's been willing to do business with Solomon and, and with David, and he's been uh, no doubt used of the Lord that way. He's, he's been generous and fair, fair and probably more than that, pro probably generous. Um, but um, is, is this the kind of situation where it would be uh, biblically correct for Solomon to just say, hey, you know what? You've, you've been great to me. I want to just take a chunk of this territory, a chunk of the land uh, that God's given us, and, and I just want to thank you by just taking a chunk of the land uh, and giving it to you as, as a big thank you. Does that seem right? Um, now, you might say, well, sounds generous on Solomon's part, and uh, Solomon is expressing gratitude and you're know, trying to build a good relationship or to maintain a good relationship. That much, that much um, probably seems right, but uh, does, it, does it seem like, brother, it would be God's plan that Solomon would take a chunk of land? By the way, there's people living there. These are 20 cities, you know, Jewish people, God's people, and just giving it over to this pagan king. Do you think that might be a problem? I think it's a problem. <laughs> I think it's a problem. Uh, Solomon probably doing this for political purposes. You've know, got to maintain good relations with, uh, with, with Tyre. They've got the cedar. You know, they've got the lumber. They've got the lumber, and, and, and they've got silver and gold. And um, Oh, they're, they're an important uh, seaport there in the Mediterranean, very important to us, and we, we just got to do everything that, that we can uh, to maintain good relations uh, with these people. Now, the goal of having good relations might be a good goal, but the way that he sought to do that is undoubtedly uh, a problem. Um, Leviticus 25 and verse 23 uh, that's a passage that deals with jubilee years and, and, and land seeding back to people, things of that nature. But that passage does say, uh, the land shall never be sold forever, for, the Lord says, for the land is mine, ye are strangers and sojourners with me. Um, I know Solomon didn't uh, sell the land. Not, he, didn't, he didn't say, hey, give me money for the land, and I'll give you the land. But uh, there does seem to be, in a sense, a, a transaction. He's given to Solomon, and Solomon is now uh, giving back to him. I, I think this, this pretty clearly would, would be a problem. Um, stop and, and just consider that for a moment. Uh, hear, hear from guys. Um, is there a spiritual problem here? And if so, uh, what, what might be the problem and what might be the answer? That's a big question. <laughs> That's a big question. But just stop and think about it for a second. Is, 
is Solomon's decision here, does it, does it imply some kind of a spiritual problem, a, a heart issue, a faith issue? Um, it, does it imply anything like that? And if yes, what might, what might the answer to that be? Um, who does it seem like he's trusting right now to get what he needs? Doesn't it, it kind of at least hints that there's some degree of that, right? Uh, he's gotten what he needs from these people, and, and maybe that's the hand of the Lord moving them to provide what they need. I think there's some suggestion of that, but uh, it seems like maybe Solomon's response to that at some level has been to look to them for what he needs in the future rather than looking to the Lord to provide for him and for the nation however the Lord might choose to provide for them in, in the future. He's seeding over God's people and, and the land that God has given them uh, very much in a way that looks, looks like he just thinks I better do anything I can to, to maintain this relationship because I need them and I need that really badly. Uh, I, think, I think it implies that he's putting a little too much faith in those people and a little bit less faith um, in the Lord. What would be the answer to that? What would be the answer to that? Gary, if that's, if that's the concern, what would be the answer to that? Lord, help me, help me to just trust you that you're going you're gonna to meet our need however you choose to. Maybe it'll be through these people again. Maybe it won't be, but uh, help us just to look to you and, and to be faithful to you and, and invest ourselves in, in you. Uh, help me to do everything that's part of that first if statement. Uh, help me to walk with you with integrity of heart and uprightness and, do to, uh, and to do according to all that you have commanded and to keep your statutes and, uh, and, and judgments and then just trust God to keep his side of that agreement rather than compromising to build favor with a man who happens to be a, a, a pagan man. I, I suspect the Lord has seen fit to inscripturate this because there is a temptation here that, that is common to us. Not, not the exact thing. Carolyn, you're probably not going to go out tonight and you know, give some land to a pagan king so that he might be able to provide for you in the future. But I think we do recognize that sometimes if, if, if we can sort of identify a person who seems pretty trustworthy and able and willing to help us, we, we might start to grow more reliant and dependent on that person than upon the Lord. And I think that's, that's the, the warning here for us tonight, I, I believe. Help us, Lord, to look to each other as is appropriate, but ultimately to look to you to be the provider of what we need. Lord, we understand the Lord provides a variety of different ways, including through people, but it's the Lord who is providing through the people. Um, Hiram seems like he should have been pretty pleased. He's, he's just received, Brother Ray, uh, 20 cities, uh, 20 cities, uh, but he's not pleased. Verse 20, Hiram came out from Tyre to see the cities where so, uh, which Solomon had given him, uh, and they pleased him not. They pleased him not. There's a lot of theories as to why uh, this might be. Uh, maybe the fact that they were kind of up in the, the highlands of, of Galilee, they would have been uh, east, maybe a little bit south, 
southeast of, of Tyre, so not real far from, from where he was, but uh, inland, whereas they, they were uh, trading people who were dependent on the Mediterranean, and uh, maybe the, he, he figured, I don't really have a lot of use for this inland territory, might be the idea. He's not pleased with this over-the-top gift from Solomon. He's not pleased. Others have said maybe the cities were uh, in disrepair, and he looked at them and said, yeah, I'm going to have to do a lot of work here before these will be worth anything or of any real value to me. Uh, he probably thought this, this just isn't that great of a gift, something like that. Kind of like someone gave him an old broken-down car. You know, you, you, you want to be thankful, but you're thinking, oh, that's going to be nothing but headaches. There's, there's that kind of a theory about this. Hiram came out from Tyre to see the cities which Solomon had given him, uh, and they pleased him not. They pleased him not. And he said, what cities are these which thou hast given me, my brother? Uh, and he called them the land of Kabul uh, unto this day. Uh, do a little bit of research on that word. It's a Phoenician word. Uh, Tyre and Zidon were Phoenician cities historically. It was Phoenician people who, uh, who built up those cities in, in history. And this, so he seems to be using a, a word that would have been a, a word of his people in their language. And the word means displeasing, some, something like that. The Bible says he was displeased. Uh, and he, he, called, he called that gift, those places, uh, displeasing. And uh, 2 Chronicles 8, verse 2, actually implies pretty strongly that he gave those cities back to Solomon. Uh, it says that the cities which Hiram had, had restored to Solomon, uh, Solomon built them, caused children to dwell there. So uh, pretty clearly later on, he, he was so... Uh, um, displeased, so um, not happy about this that he, he ends up just giving them back. Um, so I think there's, there's a spiritual problem on Solomon's side of the equation. We, we've talked about that. Um, is there at least potentially a spiritual problem on King Hiram's side of the equation? Is, is, there, is there something going on on his side of the equation that Lord might be showing us maybe as a tendency in our own sin nature? Uh, do, you, do you think maybe? Did you ever get a gift and um, you just knew in your heart that you should be thankful, but you weren't? <laughs> Was it? You weren't satisfied. You, know, you, you might have been expecting something better better cities or more cities. Remember that time Bob gave Gary 25 cities, but they were kind of broken down. And he was not very happy about that. And you said, well, fine, I'll take them back. And get, right? I mean, no, we don't have that kind of experience today. But um, a lot of times, I, I think if we're honest, we probably can, can look back and remember a time where you, you received a gift and as much as you knew in your mind that you should be grateful, you should be thankful, um, you weren't. You weren't. Um, is that a spiritual problem? You said yes. I agree. But why?
I got the iPhone 12, but now the 13 is out. And the 14 is coming still, right? Yeah. Right. So we understand we live in a world today where we're being programmed through marketing and advertising. That's the world that I come out of. Trust you. Trust me. Uh, you trust me. I, you're being programmed through marketing and advertising to be dissatisfied after a short period of time because we want to sell you the next best thing. Right, whether it's clothing or technology or even medicine, the world I was in, you you know, that medicine was okay, but this medicine's better. I might have 12 more side effects, but we'll keep that as quiet as the FDA will us. Yeah, we're we're being programmed to be dissatisfied, and if if we're honest, we recognize it's not that hard for marketers and advertisers to be successful because not too far down in our sin nature is that very natural tendency to be dissatisfied, right? To be, to be dissatisfied, uh, to not be grateful and to be truly, to be truly dissatisfied. Uh, is that a spiritual problem? Is that a spiritual problem? I believe it is. Um, Andrew, if that's a spiritual problem, what, why is that a spiritual problem? Yeah, so that's, I mean, for me, that, that's, that's it. I don't know if you could hear him or not, but um, everything that we have comes from where? It comes from the Lord, right? And has he not promised to meet our needs? Has he promised to meet our needs? We go back to Matthew 6. We won't do that now, but we go back there and see, hey, if, if you've sought Christ and his righteousness, then, there's one of those if-then propositions, then he's promised to meet our, our basic needs. We talk a lot about what really are basic needs because we think our needs are much bigger than they actually are, right? Uh, I'm special. I need a lot and a lot more than what God thinks I need. No, God's promised to meet our needs. And so um, if, if that promise has been made of the Lord, you, you have to recognize that sure enough, God is uh, meeting that promise, the terms of that promise, maybe not the way we want him to. That's the thing, right? Maybe not the way we want him to, but if he's made a promise to meet our needs, does he ever break promises? Did he ever violate a covenant that he made with a man in scripture? No, he's never, he's never broken a promise to us. So uh, if, if God has made a promise, you can be sure that he's keeping that promise in the very best way that it could be kept. And if, if, if we're... Uh, unthankful, dissatisfied, um, uh, ungrateful, ungrateful, dissatisfied, displeased, that's the word that was used here, we're essentially saying, Lord, you're, you're either not meeting your, your promise or you're not meeting it well enough to please me. Brother Ray, are you, are you here to be pleased by God or are you here to please him? Right. Lord, help us to keep that in mind. Um, our natural tendency is to always want more and better, but God knows what is best for us. 
Um, you know, if, if the Lord knows that having just a little bit less than what we think we need is, is going to help us learn to be more dependent on him and more prayerful, uh, I, I ought to be content with a little bit less than I think I need. Uh, he, Mike, he has all the, his purposes, right? Uh, I know that we're, we're, in our sin nature, we're, we're naturally, we naturally tend to be ungrateful. We naturally tend to be ungrateful. And that's a sin problem. What, what can you do about it? You could pray, Lord, oh, I confess. Uh, I, I struggle with ingratitude. I struggle to be thankful. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm this guy who was given 20 cities, but they weren't good enough. Uh, or they weren't in the right place. Or they need a little fixing up. They need a little paint. Amen. Bob, amen. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I, Lord, help me. I, I struggle with ingratitude. Would I confess that. I agree with you. Would you help me to be satisfied with your provision? Now, if, if we're struggling with, the, with that kind of problem and we don't do that kind of business with the Lord, could there be consequences? Could, could there be even greater spiritual consequences in our life? You said yes. You, you got one? chasing me for my simple ingratitude, right? Because in, ingratitude, again, basically saying, oh, Lord, what you're doing is not good enough. Um, the ingratitude, is ingratitude a sin? I think it is. Yeah. It's not going to please the Lord. Uh, it's, it's not going to please the Lord. Um, give you a couple references just to jot down. Um, later on this year, I Lord willing, we're going to look at Romans and preach or teach through Romans. Um, we know in Romans 1, uh, the Lord highlights a, a lack of thankfulness for his provision as one of the things that's on that road to the, the terrible sin that you see in Romans 1. Paul writes, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. That lack of gratitude was one step down that road to a darker and darker place spiritually that promoted greater and greater sin in the hearts of, of the people being pictured there. Lord, help that not to be me. It would be real. Uh, ingratitude, a lack of thankfulness can have great spiritual consequences. How about during Lord's ministry when he uh, encountered um, the lepers, the ten men that were lepers? Um, how many of them did were healed? Ten. And how many were thankful? Well, why, why is that in our Bible? Why is that in our Bible? Why is that your Bible? Yeah. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back with a loud voice, glorified God, fell down on his face at, at Lord's feet, giving thanks. He was a Samaritan, was even a Jewish man. Jesus answering him, were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save the stranger. And he said unto him, arise, go thy way. 
thy faith hath made thee whole. Lord, help us. <laughs> uh, yeah, the Lord is showing us all over Scripture that he's, he's revealing to us and, and reminding us that this ingratitude is part of our sin nature, and it's actually a very serious uh, spiritual problem that, that needs to be dealt with. It needs to be confessed, uh, prayerfully acknowledged, and, and what, do you, what do you do? Like any other sin, right? You, you agree with the Lord, and, and you ask him for strength to put off the ingratitude uh, and to put on gratitude in its place. You say, Lord, help, help just crowd out this lack of thankfulness from, it, from my heart, and Lord, you just help me to put on a, a wonderful Christ-honoring thankfulness uh, and gratitude. Bible says, um, you probably know the verse, Psalm 100 and verse 4, enter into his gates with thanksgiving uh, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and, and bless his name. Um, has he done enough for us that we should be profoundly thankful? Yeah, 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 Lord help us. We struggle with this. This is in our sin nature, but uh, if we've been saved, we're in Christ, the Holy Spirit is in us and available to us to help us deal with this problem. Christ makes that possible. I praise God for that tonight. I think I'm gonna stop there. I intended to go further, but I think we're gonna stop there tonight and uh, I'll pray. Uh, you, Brother Garcia, you come back and lead us in a song, and, and then we'll have our prayer time. Let's stop there. Father, thank you, Lord, uh, tonight uh, for this passage. Lord, I thank you tonight for um, the reminder that you're a God who makes promises, and you're a God 